This is an ABC podcast. You're listening to The Country Hour on ABC Radio South Australia and Broken Hill. Good afternoon. Welcome to The Country Hour. I'm Cassie Half broadcasting across South Australia and Broken Hill. Well, this weather has been pretty crazy over the weekend. Doesn't seem to stop. You certainly wouldn't guess that we are approaching December with the temperatures that are forecast this week. So we'll get into some of that weather situation shortly. And Elders' full year results are in the agribusiness company has had a pretty good 12 months, which you can imagine with the cost of uh, inputs and uh, how well a lot of the farming sector has been doing. I'll have more details on that soon. But uh, first to the weather, Grain Producers SA says it has been hearing from growers about what sort of impact the recent weather has had on crops. GPSA held a roundtable meeting on Friday to discuss the issues with the diseases being seen because of the wet weather. CEO Brad Perry is speaking here with Brooke Nindorf. Yeah, Brooke, there was some really uh, wild weather over the weekend, so it wasn't just um, quite a bit of rain. that came down uh, a lot of wind and, and there were thunderstorms and hail, so it was really a, a bit of everything. So for grain producers, it's really just, um, yeah, really a, a bit of a nuisance at the moment as far as it's delaying harvest uh, continually with this rain. We, we just seem to struggle to get a few days of, of warm weather together we can get the sun on the crops and dry them out and, and get things moving. I'm hearing across um, across the board from the rain and, and weather conditions on the weekend that yeah, there was certainly some, some impacts on isolated hail damage, some flattened crop. Uh, Wind Road canola is uh, pretty widespread across the state as well um, and impact should be pretty severe on uh, on hay as well, particularly stuff that's been um, un failed and uh, some cut, some still waiting. Would there be insurance for that damage, Brad? No, I don't, I don't think there'd be a lot of insurance, Brooke, as far as uh, the, for the really storm damage, wind, maybe some insurance around for, for hail, but again, uh, it was quite isolated, so there was only certain areas that seemed to get hit by, um, by hail across the state, so uh, I haven't been able to ascertain just the extent of damage from, from hail, but there does seem to have been isolated hail damage incidents on crops, you know, over the past few weeks when we've had these thunderstorms. You said there, um, Brad, that you've been speaking to a few people, but what have you been hearing from the, the weekend's weather? Yeah, so for example, uh, on the York Peninsula, a uh, lot of power out I'm hearing, you know, which is going to impact everything really, uh, even trying to deliver um, grain to, to silo. They're telling me, uh, the grain producers telling me that about two to three weeks still away, um, potentially on the York Peninsula from getting right into harvest and, and we can see that there's also some rain um, unfortunately forecast again um, for this weekend so um, that's just one example on the York Peninsula. I know some farmers had started around Adrosson and, and near Port Victoria but everyone um, yeah has obviously stopped now because there's low lying water you know on the Yorks and, and in saying that right across the southeast Air Peninsula so it's been pretty well um, widespread rain. So it's going to be a bit of a wait and see as far as um, pushing back harvest. I suppose the one thing, Brooke, that we can take from it, from a positive, is that um, you know the, the more and more water we get in the profile and, and get that as full as we can in the soil, then uh, hopefully that'll set 
everyone up for a positive year next year. Something else that uh, farmers are dealing with due to this um, this interesting weather is probably one way to put it, but um, GPSA met with uh, a range of industry experts on Friday to look at disease issues in crops. What was discussed there? Yeah, so we brought together almost 30 disease experts. So that was made up of researchers, agronomists, we had farm breeders, farm pathologists and general key industry stakeholders. And it was brought about um, just because we're in a situation where it's um, been such a wet year that um, we've got um, what, what I'd call unique disease pressures, as in you know, just the amount of water that's lying around is, is seeing the amount of uh, disease for things like wheat powdery mildew and favour bean chocolate spot, um, you know, quite high compared to the usual seasons. So we wanted to get a, get all the experts in a room and discuss, you know, what we can, what can we do as far as these disease pressures, and not only in the short term but the long term, and talking about things like chemical resistance and, and there was a lot of um, discussion around, so yeah, genetic resistance as well and how we can really um, use innovative measures to try and find some solutions to to curbing these diseases. How important is it to have that collaborative approach to disease management? Well, I think there's been a lot of talk about um, between growers and grain producers and and, uh, also uh, on the ground with with, um, agronomists about the widespread nature of some of these um, disease pressures this year with it being so wet. So I think rather than just having isolated conversations in silos, it's great to bring everyone together and they could all, they were all able to talk to each other and discuss openly um you know what the issues are they're seeing and how we might be able to uh, combat those is it more about like you said the there is that short term outlook but also the long term future as well but is is it too late to do anything now about what's already being seen oh i think at the moment it's hard to there's particular um practices that you can do as far as spraying um properly and and some of these other um measures that you can do to try and curb the impact of the disease, but probably for some of the things that we're looking at as far as chemicals, that's uh, that's more of a, a longer term um, issue. But it's important that we get everyone together to try and look at it, tackle it, and come up uh, with some solutions to, to these challenges. So, you know, if we do experience another wet year like this, then we're uh, we're better prepared. GPSA CEO Brad Perry speaking with Brooke Nindorf. Now, there was a lot of rivers and little creeks raised over the weekend. I saw some photos on Facebook. A couple were sent through to me as well. If you want to let me know how much rain you've had for November or for the weekend, text me 0467 922 or phone 1300 222 It's certainly been a wild and woolly November, and I know a lot of people were hoping to get underway with harvest uh, this week, so hopefully this hasn't caused too much an issue to your plans, but I dare say things are being madly rearranged. So let me know how things are tracking in your place. Text 0467 922 or phone 1300 222 Now, uh, it's not just uh, South Australia that has uh, been seeing the, the wild weather. Huge storms also hit Broken Hill on Saturday before moving across uh, most of the areas of the far west. A severe thunderstorm saw more damaging winds and hail and heavy rain rainfall and lightning across that part of uh, the world as well. I think uh, lots of power was taken out as well. About uh, 185 kilometres northeast of Broken Hill, Mick and Britt Anderson runs in Brickvale Station and Britt spoke with Greta Jackson about the rain they've seen there. 95 mil for the month 
most of that fell from Thursday through to Sunday. About twenty, about an inch of that fell earlier in the month. How's how's the damage? Is it is it too wet to get out, or do you have an idea of how how much damage there is? We've been exceptionally lucky. Everything that's fallen here, even the heavier parts of the rain, haven't been too damaging. A, a bit of tree branches, things like that, roads that are inevitable. Uh, but nothing terrible. There's no roofs damaged or any uh, building damage or anything like that, which is amazing uh, considering how wet it is here. Now, have you said anything like this in your time on the station or has Michael? Well, apparently this is pretty on par from 2011. However, in 2011, I had a two-year-old and a newborn, so I really don't remember it very much at all. <laughs> to me, this is our, our best season in our married life yet. Right, and can you believe that this rain is coming off the back of one of the worst droughts in history? It's hard to believe. Once we went to during those dry years, it it seems like a decade ago, not only a few years ago, to be honest. It's it's really quite surreal. Are your tanks full? The tanks are very full at the moment. (laughs) Unfortunately, we haven't been able to get out and about to, to check on other dams, but the house dam is absolutely as full as it could be. Now, tell us about Murawindji. Uh, there, there were some strange sounds coming from that direction. It almost sounded like there was a volcano erupting next wow. door. It, usually with thunder, you know, you have a clap or a bit of a, a crackle in the sky. But over the weekend, it just went for minutes at a time. It was really the strangest feeling. It was quite scary, to be honest, because mm. we're surrounded by three sides of our house by Mootwindy Ranges. So it, it just seems that the, the weather system seemed to follow that the range around the park. That was Britt Anderson from Simbrick Vale Station speaking with Greta Jackson. So they've had 90 mils for November. I think there'd be quite a few places across South Australia that's seen more than that. So let me know. Text 0467 922 891 or phone 1300-222-891. It's quarter past 12. You're listening to Cassie Huff on ABC Radio South Australia and Broken Hill. I'll have more on the storms in the next 15 minutes or so, but while we're talking water at least, the Federal Water Minister says she's received approaches from irrigators keen to sell their water licences back to the Commonwealth. Last month's federal budget showed a confidential sum has been allocated to buy water entitlements from irrigators in the Murray-Darling Basin this financial year. On Friday, a Senate estimates hearing at Parliament House heard that Basin ministers had agreed that almost 50 gigalitres would be purchased as a matter of priority. Here's Federal Water Minister Tanya Pilbasek. Strategic buybacks mean we're going to look across the Murray-Darling Basin system and where there are um, areas where we can have low impact, good value for taxpayer dollars, uh, water buybacks, then we're going to examine those opportunities. And I can tell you we've had uh, a number of unsolicited approaches already. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that when we go into the market for those um, strategic buybacks, there will be people who are interested in partnering with the government to see that water returned to the environment. I I mean, it seems crazy to be talking about this at the moment when there's so much water across the system and, in fact, so many people are suffering from too much water, towns flooding, in the case of Lismore, third time in 15 months. But we know that Australia, um, you know, in time, will be back in drought and we've got to use this opportunity, this breathing space we've got now, to get the Murray-Darling Basin Plan right. 
Tanya Plibersek, the Federal Water Minister. Friday's estimates hearing heard that strategic buybacks would happen across New South Wales, Queensland and the ACT as a matter of priority to meet the 49 gigalitres bridging the gap shortfall. That's 46 gigalitres of surface water and 3 gigalitres of groundwater. Shadow Water Minister, New South Wales Senator Perrin Davies said the decision to buy water will help farmers and communities. Uh, they've identified 46 gigalitres that needs to be purchased. They've commenced discussions and they've actually um, worked out how much per valley needs to be recovered through that 46 gigalitres. Now, this was not in the Ministerial Council communique, uh, but it has now come out through Senate estimates that um, they're looking to get out there and buy back water now. So 46 gigalitres, uh, it's been described as bridging the gap. Can you just explain what that is? So this is the remaining water recovery. If everything else in the Basin Plan falls to where it is under the uh, baseline water recovery, so this is not part of the 450 that uh, Minister Plibersek has been focusing on. This is completely separate to that, but it is required to finalise the sort of 2750 part of the Basin Plan. So 46 gigalitres, it doesn't really sound a lot in the context of, you know, a plan that's recovering um, more than 3,000 gigalitres, that's including the 450. Are you concerned that it could be, it now looks like it is about to be purchased from irrigators? Yeah, look, 46 gigalitres doesn't sound like a lot, but when you put that on top of the over 2,000 gigalitres that has already been recovered through the Basin Plan, and when you take into consideration that they're talking about buying it back and not looking at efficiency, on-farm efficiency or any other efficiency regimes, this is 46 gigalitres that will come off the consumptive market that will impact on temporary water market prices, that will impact on permanent entitlement prices for remaining irrigators. Make no mistake, this is 46 gigalitres that will hurt. The opposition has maintained uh, throughout its time in government that it didn't want to buy back more water from irrigators. More recently, we've seen New South Wales, the state government, the state water minister there say New South Wales doesn't support non-strategic buybacks. It sounds like there's a bit of a shift there in coalition thinking would you support 46 gigalitres? I mean, you're in opposition. The government doesn't need you to like the idea. But what do you think about 46 gigalitres of strategic buyback? I guess the key word is strategic and where it's coming from. But when uh, the department broke down the valleys that they're targeting, they've got 10 gigalitres identified for the New South Wales Murray. Now, I don't know where in the New South Wales Murray you can get this strategic water from. There are other areas where uh, there might be a parcel of end-of-system water or a, a group. I, I'm open to looking at when and where and how, but the key thing is, for me, there can't be a negative social and economic impact. Senator Perrin Davies speaking with Kath Sullivan and there's more on that online if you'd like to follow that. Now, before we get to weather, 
elders for your results have come in. The uh, uh, agribusiness has uh, reported a 9% increase in profit to $163 million. But Elders Managing Director Mark Allison has also announced he will leave that role by this time next year, which is 10 years after he took over the job. Uh, the revenue in this year has also uh, surged 35% to $3.45 billion following a bumper year for farm commodities. So it's not a bad time to get out. Mr Allison reflects on his time at the helm of the company. It doesn't feel like 10 years, but uh, that may be a sign of growing older. Uh, so uh, I think you know, when I came into Elders uh, and when I became chairman, uh, we were still in uh, Bad Bank. I think our market capitalisation was around $50 million. Uh, and, uh, you know, we... Uh, developed the eight-point plan, and we basically just did it ourselves. And we went back to being a core pure-play agribusiness. And I think uh, as we go through that period, you know, we finished uh, today, we're, we're sitting at about $2 billion market cap. So there's been a very strong um, uh, shareholder uh, benefit. 2016, uh, after we came out of uh, Bad Bank and we started to get back on our feet, we started paying dividends again. So, so we're a, a, an investor-grade stock now. 2016, at the end of that period, uh, the business won the uh, large company turnaround of the year, which is great. But I think when I look at the, the things I'm most proud of, it's seeing elders people being able to uh, contribute back into regional rural Australia, supporting local communities, funding uh, you know sports organisations in local communities, investing in ag tech to help agriculture, and uh, you know we've been the most trusted brand in agriculture for the last three years, and uh, and that. You know, 183 years later, that's that's quite an important uh, uh, part of our DNA and what we actually do. So, um, from my sense, it's it's actually seeing us being able to be equipped to look after our local uh, communities, our elders, people, the shareholders have clearly done very very well through the period, and uh, you know we have uh, we're set for growth now into the future. Elder shares were worth 28 cents uh, today, but uh, it seems they've not taken to your, your your announcement that you're leaving terribly well with uh, the share price dropping just today. Oh, I think it's a, it's like everything we do, though. It's, it's you know it's core to the act. I'm saying low pulse rate, methodical, be calm. It's a long game we're playing, and if anyone who's in regional rural Australia or in agriculture doesn't play a long game, uh, they're bound to be disappointed. There has been some excellent profit this year. You're up for 9% after tax to $163 million. What's driven that? So I think the strategy is this season, you know, from the market, when we look at how much of our upside comes out of better seasonal conditions, uh, our, our analysis shows us about 47% and 53%. So the um, 53% came out of our self-help and things we can control, and we tend to kind of work on the things we can control, not, not what comes out of the sky or commodity prices or, or wars in Ukraine, etc. There's a fairly healthy, healthy margin, though, that's that's been required to to achieve those those profits at a time when when imports are costing an increasing amount. Uh, to have a, a profit before tax of 42% and a profit after tax of nine percent, uh, costs a concern. So our cost to serve has uh, reduced during this period. So, uh, because we've been growing at a faster rate, obviously, than the, what we're putting costs in. But, but it's something we... Uh, costs, uh, in terms of running costs, uh, we watch very closely. In terms of the costs of fertiliser, crop protection, animal health, I mean, largely, we, we don't manufacture them. So, we buy at the high cost, and then, uh, and then we sell. Our uh, margin, particularly for some of the crop prote- uh, protection products, has reduced uh, because uh, you know, it's a competitive market, so, so we can't just 
mark up any price we want to. It, it, it'll depend what competitors are, 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 uh, are selling for and what the market price is. So, so yeah, I think uh, by backward integrating, we've been able to get a little bit more of the margin, but it's still been very, very tight. And, and our, the drop in our cash conversion was around the increased costs of, uh, of big parts of our inventory. You made a big investment in wool handling this year. What was that and why? We've moved to a, uh, an automated uh, wool handling facility for, uh, for uh, Eastern Australia and also uh, with less technology in Western Australia. And our thinking there is that yeah, it's a $25 million investment. And again, wool is core DNA for elders uh, and uh, no one's invested in, uh, in wool for many, many years. But, but our thinking is that this is our core business, these are our core clients and uh, we believe we can add significant efficiency to the supply chain through that investment. Elders Managing Director Mark Allison speaking there about the fortunes of the company that he is going to leave over the next year. So uh, it's been quite a time that he's been at the helm. We will head across to the weather now where I am joined by Jenny Horvath. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Cassie. Well, I've got a text here saying uh, 10 mils overnight from Clayton at Keppock uh, and at uh, Forster Hill. Uh, they've received 54 mils for the weekend. It's going to make harvest difficult. Uh, I dare say that's sort of on the lower end of some of the rain that's been seen. Yeah, that's right. And, yeah, some challenging conditions up there, even though the weather is easing. Yeah, looking at some of the weekend totals um, across the Mount Lofty Ranges, saw a good sort of 60 to 80 millimetres with Yankalilla picking up over 90 millimetres. We saw over 80 millimetres at Ashton down in the... Um, Metro here at Nolunga, we saw about 55 millimetres of rain in the southeast. Tintinara picking up around 40 millimetres of rain. We saw on York Peninsula, Amelia Downs picking up around 50. Out in the northeast pastoral district there, Glupont even picked up sort of 36 millimetres, but some um, pretty big totals around the mid north as well, with Mount Bryan picking up nearly 75 millimetres of rain, just under 70 millimetres at Freeling, Kabunda, just over 50 millimetres through there. And so we do have some local river rises around the, the mid-north and especially around the Nuri-Ukta area, so just take a bit of care. We've got our hydrologists looking at that. We may be issuing a, a flood watch um, warning area for there, but um, but nevertheless there is some um, local river rises around the mid-north at the moment, even though we're still seeing a little bit of rain, but not as much as we have, and the, the trend is for the rain to t- and the winds today to be easing. So, um, yeah, after a pretty wild weekend with that low pressure system multiple troughs and um, front that went through that has now moved over to the eastern states and it's pushing up a bit of a, a cooler southerly airstream over the south and we've also got this high pressure system coming across from WA the maintaining that southerly airstream but as that low moves away and the high comes in we should see conditions stabilising um, later today and into tomorrow but we are still expecting some shower activity around the agricultural area today most likely around the southern agricultural area the mid north southern parts of the Flinders district and near our western coast so still quite a cool day today and we've still been seeing some fresh and gusty southwesterly winds um, mostly around the southeast part of the state but as the day progresses and that low moves away we will start to see those winds easing back a little bit. On Tuesday we are looking at still seeing some shower activity across the agricultural area and the west coast and in the far southeast it's going to be pretty cold and we could see a little bit of small hail but those showers should really contract back to southern coast on the Wednesday and clear on the Wednesday through there. But we'll start to see maybe a little bit of shower and thunderstorm activity returning to the north 
southwest of the state on Wednesday, later on Wednesday, but it's on Thursday that things start to get a little bit more interesting in the west. We've got another one of these complex low and trough systems moving into the west of the state on Thursday, so mostly west of Sejuna, but then more broadly on the later of the week into um, across the state on Friday and again on Saturday. So we'll be watching this space as well. A little bit of a reprieve, but some weather coming back for the weekend. Looking at some of the rainfall totals that we are expecting to see up until the end of Friday, generally across the state, two to 10 millimetres, but less than two millimetres over the far northeast. We could see those totals getting up to 10 to 20 millimetres about parts of the southern agricultural area and southwest Flinders. And with those thunderstorms coming across from the west, totals of 10 to 30 millimetres are possible across the pastoral and west coast districts. So still a little bit on the radar by the sounds of things. Thanks so much for that, Jenny. That's right. Jenny Horvat there from the Bureau of Meteorology. In the far west of New South Wales, it'll be partly cloudy in the upper western. A little bit of wind around, 20 to 30 k's an hour. Overnight temperatures getting down to 10 to 14 degrees, but the daytime temperatures reaching 19 to 25. The lower western, very similar conditions, partly cloudy. Winds again, 20 to 25, to 30 I should say. Overnight temperatures down to 9, but the daytime temperatures reaching about 17 degrees. More to come on uh, this wild weather as we approach 12.30 on the Country Hour. You're listening to The Country Hour. For more stories from across the country, go to abc.net.au slash rural. On ABC Radio Adelaide, South Australia and Broken Hill, this is Cassie Huff. Cassie Huff. Good afternoon. I'm so glad you could join me today. There's a lot happening at the moment. Still quite windy, a bit wet out there as well. Uh, South Australia's vegetable production should be in full swing, but this cool, wet weather has slowed things up. And now fruit and veggie producers are counting the cost after the weekend's storms as well. A lot of open-air crops have been affected by this weather, uh, including some impacts you might not have thought of. Uh, what has happened with all the rain um, and the wind combination together uh, has bent them over. So instead of pointing up nice and straight, now they're uh, pointing either side, depending on where the wind was blowing at the time. Got some bendy spring onions, uh, which is is not a complete devastation, but still rather strange how the wind has affected those. So uh, we've got a few vegetable producers uh, speaking about what they've seen uh, coming up on the program. But first, we'll find out what's making news with Matt Coleman. Good afternoon. Hello, Cassie. In the news this afternoon, just over 31,000 customers remain without power as SA Power Network's crews repair power lines damaged in the weekend's wild weather. At its peak, 163,000 customers were affected across the state. Flows coming into South Australia's leg of the River Murray have reached 98 gigalitres a day, surpassing the level seen during the 2016 and 2011 high flow events. The state's Department for Environment and Water is forecasting flows to peak at 165 gigalitres per day in early December, with a moderate risk of flows reaching 200 gigalitres and a lower possibility of 220 gigalitres per day. And the Police Commissioner Grant Stevens is hopeful that people will enjoy a normal Christmas, but he says it all falls on personal responsibility. The state recorded almost 7,000 COVID cases last week as a result of a predicted new wave and Mr Stevens says people need to assess their own safety when it comes to gatherings during the holidays. More news at one o'clock. Matt Coleman there with some of the updates on what's happening power-wise and there will be more on that this afternoon with Caroline Winter. But uh, we're looking at fruit and veggie production because South Australia should be absolutely 
teeming with produce at the moment. South Australia's strawberry season in particular should be underway now, but a hailstorm a fortnight or so ago and now the weekend's wild weather means barely any South Australian strawberries have been harvested. Ryan Perry is the Manager and Farm Director for Berry Farm Harvest the Florio at Mount Compass. Good afternoon. Yeah, good day, Cathy. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Now, we know the southern suburbs of Adelaide and Adelaide Hills area copped a lot of damage. How are things at your place? Yeah, no, just as wet up here is what it is down there. So, um, yeah, just trying to yeah cut through as much of the damage now as possible and, yeah, trying to see the uh, bit, of sun, bit of sunshine in sight, but uh, a bit of rain forecast for this weekend as well, which is a bit of a shame, but... It is what it is, so luckily we're uh, resilient. Now, your strawberries are out in the open. How have they fared? Yeah, not ideal, obviously. Like, as you said earlier, with the with the hail last week and then we sort of spent a lot of money cleaning it back up again, which every other grower has, has in uh, South Australia. And then, yeah, on to this weekend with the yeah, 60 miller rain that we had over the weekend and, yeah, start the start the process again basically so um yeah it's just another thing as far as with everything else going up in price as far as that goes it just makes it a bit harder but yeah looking forward to some consistently nice weather hopefully make life a bit easier what portion of your crop do you think you've lost i'd say 70 to 80 percent gosh and uh, and this is that cumulative the two the two storms or is that just out of this this storm that's just out of this storm yeah so it was i'd say it was another 80 percent after the last one so, like I said, 20% was half decent from the last pick last, uh, last time and then it's another 20% this time. But we're sort of, because with the another uh, rain hit again today, it's once again, you, you don't see the true damage for a couple of days until once again, it's a soft fruit. So um, it is just laying there wet and soggy at the moment. But yeah, like I said, start the process again and trying to pick through it and um, yeah, pray for some good weather. What is the main damage? Are they actually just sort of smashed to smithereens or is it disease pressure? What, what causes the losses? Yeah, so it's a bit of both. Obviously, with the bit, with the warmer weather and a bit of humidity, it just creates a hell of a lot of uh, fungal disease. Um, but then, obviously, with the with the hail, it's more the direct impact of the actual hail hitting it. But um, once again, it, initially you don't see it, but then after the next couple of days, it starts to come through, um, and that's when you start to see the true damage. Is it going to be hard to get your hands on South Australian strawberries this year? Uh, yes and no. Um, it's one of those things. Like I said, if we can get some nice weather, it's going to make life easier. But um, we there's still plenty of growers that have plenty of plants planted and we're all going through the same thing. Um, luckily, strawberries obviously keep producing and you keep picking them. So once we do go through and do the clean-up, there is already new strawberries coming through. Um, it's just a matter of protecting them and, and keeping them nice and happy. Um, and then once again, once it does kick off and uh, we should be hopefully picking some awesome fruit, which is, yeah, which is what we tend to do. So, yeah. <laughs> Are there options for fruit that perhaps aren't fully destroyed but aren't particularly pretty? Can you juice or anything like that? Yeah, so, uh, well, we're actually in the process of developing a commercial uh, frozen berry range that goes in uh, in frozen bags. So, um, just so frozen berries can... don't have to be as, like, A1 condition. They can be a little bit banged up. Yeah, so well, even just a little bit overripe, so they might just be a little bit sweeter, but um, anything that's not perfect, that's up, not up to uh, shop commercial uh, quality, um, yeah, we put straight in there and and, uh, and wholesale that stuff. So just another thing, I guess, strawberry juice is another thing that we're looking at doing. So um, just trying to minimise costs and, and trying to make as much money out of, as possible to try and cover every other cost that comes at us. I'm speaking to berry grower Ryan Perry. Can you insure your crops? Uh, no, not that I know of. Um, it's one of those things, I guess. It's 
mother nature. She tends to win. Um, but, yeah, we're in the unlikely thing where we do grow strawberries outside, and I think it just comes down to the fact that, yeah, you grow them, you plant them um, outside, and you sort of just got to deal with it, I guess. You have other berries other than just strawberries, blueberries, blackberries, cherries, and tay berries, which I haven't heard. What's a tay berry? Yes, so uh, tay berries are mixed between a raspberry and a blackberry. Uh, the only place they're grown in the world is Mount Compass and Scotland. And what, what do they taste like? Oh, it's a unique flavour. You have to come up and try it. <laughs> <I will. laughs> so they don't just so, no. taste like a cross between the, the two berries? Uh, that's it, that's it. So I've, I've had that many questions about them and I say, look, you, you just have to come and try. So we do lots of, uh, we make all our own jams and all our own ice cream up here as well. So like I said, just trying to get down to that minimal, that or zero waste target. So um, yeah, it costs a lot of money to get it up onto the shelf. So um, if you can try and correspond that with actually no waste and happy days. Happy days. Besides the strawberries that have clearly taken a bit of a beating, how are the blueberries going? Because they're in season as well. Yes, so we're lucky with them. They're a little, uh, little bit less sensitive than what strawberries are. They, they tend to put up with a bit more of this sort of weather. Um, but no, the crops look amazing, which I'm very happy about. Um, it sort of takes the stress away from strawberries a little bit. Um, but yes, once again, they should be coming in sort of mid, mid-December, hopefully mid-December before Christmas. Um, but once again, they'll be huge crops. Well, I'll let you keep going. I know you're madly cleaning up. Do you have power where you are? Yeah, we're, we're one of the lucky ones. Um, so most towns have obviously been hit with power outages. Where um, up here we got relatively lucky. Obviously, all the freezers and whatnot were still on. We don't actually have a generator, which I'll have to look at investing in. Um, but yes, luckily I didn't go out because we have probably five, six hundred kilos uh, of frozen berries in freezers. So that would have been pretty scary. Absolutely. I'll let you get back to it. Sorry, you've, you've had to go through such difficult climatic conditions in the last couple of weeks right when right when you should be reaping the rewards of a year's worth of work so uh, all the best with your recovery thanks for joining me thank you so much Cassie. thank you Ryan Perry, uh, manager and farm director for uh, the berry farm Harvest the Florio at Mount Compass. A text from Don says, uh, luckily the cherries and apples are mostly covered in the Adelaide Hills now. Yeah, we did catch up with some apple growers. Uh, there has been some hail damage this year, but uh, it is, uh, it, there's those, those rolling uh, hailstorms from a couple of weeks ago has done some damage, uh, but they're, they're yet to know the full extent because they, they can thin out a little bit for those damaged fruits. So we'll keep following that. But uh, keep your texts coming. I hope everyone is safe uh, at the moment and uh, your power is gradually coming back on. You can text me 0467922891 or phone one three hundred triple two eight nine one if you've seen some damage at your place. So we'll also touch base with some grain farmers as well because they should be uh, harvesting in <laughs> in the full throttle at the moment. Uh, to another uh, grower, though, vegetable grower this time, Anthony Dieso is a grower and manager at Thorndon Park Produce. And uh, on the Northern Adelaide Plains, they've also experienced some wild weather. I caught up with him about how things are looking at his place after the storms over the weekend. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, just wet, wet and wild is probably the easiest way to describe it. And... I think what really what really did the most amount of damage wasn't that freak storm on Saturday. It was the strong winds that we had overnight, uh, Sunday night, Monday morning. So, yeah, just a bit bit crazy. Absolutely. So, when you say they did the wind did the damage, what sort of damage have you seen? Yeah. So uh, we're so we're bunch line veggie growers. So we grow a, a variety of different crops. 
Um, but one of our main lines um, that we produce a fair bit of is spring onions. Um, so spring onions are normally nice and straight and uh, to the point. Um, and unfortunately, uh, what has happened with all the rain um, and the wind combination together uh, has bent them over. So instead of pointing up nice and straight, now they're uh, pointing either side, depending on where the wind was blowing at the time. Can you actually harvest them, or are they ruined? They look. They're still they're still able to be harvested, um, but unfortunately, um, so some of the leaves have been damaged. Because obviously, if you're going to um, pull something in one direction when it's meant to be going in another, they will be you know damaged, um, and so that does make it a bit harder to harvest. And they don't look very appealing because they're you know they're bent over so yeah still harvestable but um, probably going to be a bit bit tricky to do over the next few weeks so if you see bendy spring onions in your supermarket where you shop that's the reason and they're still fine to, to eat uh, they've just been a bit wind damaged <laughs> that's correct yeah um, special variety <laughs> <laughs> banana spring onions that's it uh, look, um, I will just say this, that yes, um, while it is pretty important to highlight, you know, key weather events like when we do have a storm or hail, um, it has been a pretty w- wild spring and, and wet winter. So in our industry, especially the open field, we are a preparation-based industry. So we prep the ground to plant. It, everything takes time to get crop in the ground. And what we've seen is with these weather spikes, it has been very hard to just do our day-to-day. So if there are any delays in the future on, on or, or, you know, if, if stuff doesn't look quite right a few weeks from now, we've had good weather for a few weeks, it's just because of previous stuff that has happened. So it's always important to just remember what the weather's doing, you know, weekly, um, and that's what the growers have to keep in mind every time uh, we go out on our tractor. Anthony DSO speaking there about his bendy spring onions. But Sam says that's fine by him. He'd still buy the spring onions. It'd still taste okay. Yeah, they sure would. They just uh, don't quite look as straight as they normally would. Now, we'll head to the SA produce market now because there is still a lot of produce coming in. And Penny Reedy, who is the campaign manager for Pick a Local Pick SA, as well as the marketing communications manager, joins me. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me today. <laughs> On this wild and woolly day. Now, you keep across the sort of uh, fruits and vegetables that are in good supply at the moment and what's in season. We've been talking a little bit about what's been banged around, but what is in good supply at the moment as far as fruit go? Yeah, well, it's good. We've been talking about the citrus season for a couple of months and I finally have some new season produce to talk about with you today, Cassie. It's South Australian stone fruit season. So for those who have been in their local fruit and veg shop, you will notice that the landscape's changing a little bit at the moment. And it's really good. We've got the first of the peaches and nectarines and I believe this week we'll even be seeing apricots coming through. That's great. We were just talking to a, a strawberry grower, though, who has had a bit of a tough time of it over the last couple of weeks, particularly on the weekend as well, picking up the, the damage after the weekend's storms. Beyond just the grower we spoke to, how's the strawberry situation looking in South Australia? 
Yeah, Ryan, who you just spoke to, is um, not unusual for the growers. They did lose a lot in that first lot of hailstorms. But like you said, once they clear out those ones that they lost, in a couple of weeks we actually expect to be some really good supply of South Australian strawberries. And you know that I'm very biased about our Adelaide Hills strawberries. I think we have the best in the country. So although the season's delayed, hang in there. In a couple of weeks you will be seeing some really good quality um, strawberries if the weather plays its part in it and we'll be able to support those South Australian growers, which they'll really need given that they lost that first lot. So wait a couple of weeks for the strawberries. The cherries as well, we have started to see the first of the Riverland new season cherries coming through. Again, they're a little bit later this year um, and we won't be seeing a really good supply. Some of the growers are predicting it'll be mid-December before we get a really good supply of cherries but at least they'll be here in time for uh, all of our Christmas plates. Yes, could even be a little after Christmas. See, people seem to think that uh, you, you can't eat them afterwards, but I, I love cherries all summer. So regardless of when they come in, um, even it is good to have them for Christmas, but even after Christmas is, is fine by me as well. <laughs> blueberries, though. I actually have a blueberry plant. It's the first year I've tried growing one, and it's actually going really well. How are blueberries going? Yeah, we do have a small supply of jumbo blueberries that we're seeing through the markets at the moment, and those ones are South Australian grown. So the other blueberries we are getting from interstate still at the moment, but if you like a good jumbo berry, grab them at the moment. They're coming in from the Riverland. Speaking to Penny Reedy from the SA Produce Market, we've been talking fruit, but vegetables, this is also South Australia's big vegetable season as well. What is coming on strong? Again, we've been a little bit delayed, which is always annoying. We need some sunshine for all of those glasshouse lines to be growing. But I have been speaking and the tomato pickers started their season on the weekend. They got a really good pick out. We're seeing some really good truss and heirloom tomatoes come through the markets. Eggplants are also in really good supply at the moment. So they're a great versatile well, they are actually a fruit, even though we put them in the vegetable category, but plenty of eggplants around. And you're going to see those glass house lines really come into season. Your zucchinis, your capsicums, your eggplants, your tomatoes. So definitely getting some different flavours through this for spring. And then we've also got broccoli and cauliflower in good supply at the moment. And like you were talking to Anthony before with the spring onions, the spinach also got a bit of a hit from the hailstorm. So just be aware when you're buying your fruit and vegetables at the moment, it might not be as perfect looking as what consumers we like it to be. Um, but have a little think about that, the, the damage that we've had from all the hailstorms and the wild weather and um, your fruit and vegetable won't be on your shelf unless it's good quality, good to eat. So just ask us to be mindful of those blemishes. I had a question in from Janet from O'Sullivan Beach asking where you can buy South Australian strawberries at the moment at the risk of not promoting anyone business. Where, where in general can uh, people buy their, uh, their strawberries from South Australia? Well, my answer is always look for your pick a local pick a say store. So if you see that red dot in your local fruit and veg store, you're going to be there, you know, that they're going to be sourcing South Australian first. So if there are South Australian strawberries to be purchased, um, you'll find them in your local fruit and veg shop. Well, I'm sure, I mean, weather is always a topic of conversation with farmers, but I can imagine around the produce market, it's ramped up even more lately where weather is dominating the conversation. 
Yes, absolutely. We just need some sunshine. But, you know, along with the cherries, they had all that rain and then the sunshine could potentially burst the cherries. So sometimes sunshine and rain together is not a good combination. It also, you know, the fact that Anthony was saying it's so muddy and they're trying to get in there to pick, to seed, there's lots of challenges there. Um, but, you know, we do have a great produce bowl here in South Australia and we're not going to run out of food to eat. Thank you so much for updating us, Penny Reedy. Thanks for having me. Speak to you next time, Cassie. Penny Reedy there from the SA Produce Market. Uh, Daryl from Largs Bay loves the uh, the jumbo blueberries. Uh, he reckons that they're large, firm and sweet, best of the lot, and have been cheaper this year. There you go. Thanks for that text, Daryl. It is coming up to 11 minutes to 1. You're listening to Cassie Huff on ABC Radio South Australia and Broken Hill. You're listening to The Country Hour. I'm Cassie Huff. Now, we're talking about the weather and what it's meant for food production. Uh, Although the predictions of this wet harvest were expected, farmers are saying that the extent of the rain has taken them by surprise. Freeland grain producer Corbin Schuster says they're currently experiencing the wettest November they've had in 139 years, with still two weeks of the uh, month still to go. And he believes at this point it's about trying to achieve the best outcome regardless of the challenges. Yeah, so um, this morning I've, uh, like most people, did a fair bit of wet weather over the weekend. I've had a bit of a chance to sort out through some paperwork in the office and I came across some uh, weather uh, records and rainfall records for Freeling and had a bit of a look through there. So we've, we, with the thunderstorms and the rainfall we had last night, it takes us to uh, 89 millimetres for the weekend. Um, and then that combined with what we've had in November, yeah, it takes us to our wettest November on record with, uh, so far, 113 mils for the month with another two weeks to go. And, yeah, that's the wettest November we've had uh, in 139 years of uh, rainfall records. So, yeah, that and, yeah, November and October have both been incredibly wet. I think we've had nearly 260 mils so far for October and um, half of November. So it's been a challenging, challenging six weeks for for hay producers um, and anyone with uh, in, in harvest mode as well uh, in this area. And looking back to last year, for example, what was the mills you were getting for October and November last year? Compared to last year, like last year was we had a bit of wet weather uh, during last year's hay season, but um, the qualities were fantastic. But yeah, this year's just really taken us by surprise. Normally, South Australia kind of gets off reasonably scot-free in a La Nina year, it tends to affect the, the eastern states with a significant amount of um, above average rainfall. But yeah, this year it's uh, South Australia's taken a share of that as well. And yeah, it's it's been um, a rather challenging year for, for us so far. And as you mentioned, you knew you were heading into a La Nina year and I'm sure you put preparations in place, but were they able to serve you this year? Yeah, so we, we could see going forward uh, earlier this year, we could see there was going to be a bit of a, a hay and fodder uh, shortage coming up so we we put a reasonable amount of hay in um, this year and we took a fairly conservative approach and we, we spaced out our hay plantings fairly well there during seeding uh, anticipating then there'd be a, a kind of a spread of, of maturity with the hay and thus a, a quite a, a wide uh, window of, of cutting and curing for the hay to minimise our risk of weather damage. Uh, <laughs> it uh, didn't really work. Basically every bit of hay that we've cut uh, over the last four weeks has, has had a significant amount of rain on it. And we still have one paddock of hay left to cut. The difficulty is going to be actually getting on that paddock, uh, especially after 89 mils of rain over the weekend. So, no, it's been a bit of a bit of a challenging year and, um, yeah, we'll just have to uh, 
I said this last weekend and I said it this weekend. Hopefully the rain stops now, but uh, yeah, we'll see what, see what the weather gods have in store for us. And how are you going with your other grains and how are they tracking with the wet weather as well? Yeah, so we're, we're probably about four to six weeks later than normal this year. It's been yeah, significantly cooler and, and obviously wetter uh, than an average year. And on social media, Facebook memories uh, throws up posts that I've made in previous years. And, and normally, yeah, we're, we're really into the swing of things with grain harvest now. But a lot of our crops around here are, are still quite green and, and still uh, in the middle of grain fill. So they've uh, remarkably, they've, they're still standing pretty well and they're, they're still sucking the moisture out of, out of the ground. And do you feel like you're in a historical year at the moment? You hear about the rains of 75. Do you think 2022 is going to have that same reputation looking back? Yeah, well, the, the, the father, the grandfather, they all, all those years that, oh, back in 56 or the 75 or, or, or that kind of thing, it, it's, I think 2022 is going to be a, uh, a year that uh, we look back on. I don't know whether we look back on it fondly, but uh, we'll definitely look back as yeah, one of the most challenging years we've, we've had thus far and, yeah, there's going to be plenty of uh, photos to uh, to prove how wet it truly was. But um, I'm still positive about the year ahead. The, the one the one uh, the mental obstacle to overcome is uh, is probably the fact that yeah you can you can't do anything about the weather. It's it's purely uh, yeah the, the forecast doesn't make the weather. It's, it purely tells you what's coming. So yeah, we can we can only uh, look at the forecast that's coming and and uh, deal with the situation that uh, we're presented with. And um, I think that's that's part of the challenge and part of the I guess fun dare I mention it. Um, of farming is, is yeah, uh, addressing those challenges and, and trying to um, achieve the best outcome regardless of how challenging it is. Freeling farmer Corbin Schuster speaking with Dimitri Panagiotaris there about how things are going for the grain producers as well. Many of them were hoping to ramp up this week, but this weather is uh, not really helping out. Uh, now, uh, we were talking about veggies and fruit just before. I mean, we are very lucky in this country to uh, enjoy a never-ending summer of fruit and vegetable supply because there's always somewhere where there's a ripening season in this huge country. But uh, looking outside of South Australia now, just uh, around the country, there's just been this strain on farmers, just rolling natural disasters, and uh, it's really becoming quite evident on supermarket uh, shelves when you, you see a lack of supply of some fresh and frozen lines. The chair of the... Um, Tasmanian Vegetable Council farmer Nathan Richardson says disruptions to supplies and price hikes are still likely to continue. Right from Queensland to Tasmania, it's uh, in most growing regions have had been affected um, with some weather event and depending on when it strikes, it's either really bad delays in, in northern Australia harvesting and and uh, we've had crop losses. Um, you know, we've, we've lost critical planting windows through every major growing region in Australia uh, in the last few months, and you can't make that up. The four, we have four seasons, and uh, you know you can't go back in time and plant our seed. It doesn't work. What sort of uh, produce are you talking about there across the regions? You name it, basic, basically everything. Uh, leafy greens, uh, all your processing vegetables, above and below ground crops. Every, everything has been affected and then you throw in the tightening labour market and all those issues. So it's going to be hard to guarantee those at the normal windows of harvest, normal harvest windows? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, so particularly here in Tasmania, we, we basically had the whole month of October where there was no crops planted and uh, that, that also limits your processing capacity. And what that can also do is it puts pressure on other crops that are grown that have to get through that factory as well. So everything matures at 
different times, but when we, when we have adverse weather events, that, that can bring on maturity. And so while you're waiting for one crop, the next crop's racing in because it's had better conditions. And it, it could be a double whammy here in Tasmania for, for rain-affected crops clashing with with later sown crops that are, that have could uh, hypothetically bloom in, in the later season. What sort of crops do you think could end up being at the factory at the same time? Different plantings of peas, uh, and they could clash with uh, broccoli uh, and beans. So those those are the three major crops that, that could clash, um, and particularly different varieties of each of those uh, cultivars. So not to sound alarmist, but... You know, we're a long way from getting anything in the back of a truck yet. It's only the second week of November. We've got to get through the next 50 to 60 days relatively smoothly. And, we, you know, of course, you don't know what's what weather's coming, but we just we really need good conditions now. We really do. It's really important. There's a lot going on here. The wet La Nina year, droughts in Europe and parts of the US, Ukraine, war-driven price rises in fuel and fertilisers and the shortage of immigrant workers. The combination of everything is likely to impact supplies and prices well into 2023. Farmer Nathan Richardson again. I'd say to the consumer about prices, it's uh, definitely not the case where it all goes back to the producer. Uh, There's a lot of other links in the supply chain that have to get some relief from uh, high wages, uh, higher fuel costs, higher insurance, running costs for, for, for vehicles and, and equipment, uh, packing sheds. But I'd say uh, as an industry to the consumer, we're, we're replying really good, nutritious, affordable food. So would you say right over any price hikes? I honestly don't think consumers in Australia are going to have a choice. They're going to have to buy local because there won't be the influx of overseas goods coming into Australia like that we've seen in the last 10 to 15 years. So we've been uh, very fortunate to have uh, an alternative, but uh, very quickly those alternatives uh, could be uh, in tight supply as well. So, you know, if we want to look after each other, we look after each other's business, families, jobs, economies, our way of life. It's, it's really important that we do just keep picking up Australian-grown uh, goods, whether it's uh, food or, or manufactured goods, clothing or, or anything. It's, it's really, really important at the moment. Shoppers are watching closely. You look around and everyone's looking. Everyone's sizing up what they've got to buy. You know, it's just not grab and walk off with your trolley full. Everyone has really got a list, got a calculator. You never saw that before. Trying to be selective and get things that are in season, obviously, so the price isn't too high. But with the current conditions, with the floods, etc., then prices are escalating quite rapidly. Some shoppers there speaking with Fiona Breen about the fruit and veggie prices. And uh, frozen vegetable processor Simplot says it's anticipating there might be some impacts due to crop availability, still evaluating the effects of the recent rain. And uh, McCain says, well, it's been a challenging time for potatoes growers, uh, given it's been one of the wettest springs on record, doesn't anticipate that the recent rainfall will limit their ability to supply customers. So some good news there. Uh, I've also had a text in from Frosty asking about sapphire grapes. They're the ones that look like little zucchinis um he says uh, they're not actually in season yet i don't think frosty so that might be why that's uh, why they're not available but that's all we have time for in the program today keep listening to abc local radio where caroline winter will have more on the uh, storms for you this afternoon as we approach one o'clock it is time for news 
Afternoons with Caroline Winter. I had the Steve Austin doll. Yeah. Did it make the... Who of this era did not run around in slow motion doing that... Caroline Winter. ABC Radio South Australia and Broke... Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.